Assalamu alaikum sisters and welcome to Real Muslima Talk. I'm your host Um Abdurrahman and on this podcast we'll pull back the curtains, take down the barriers and have raw, insightful and honest conversations on living as a Muslima in our modern society. We'll discuss everything from spirituality to mental health, from marriage to growth and much much more. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a coffee and let's have a heart to heart here on Real Muslima Talk. If you enjoy the podcast, head over to our Instagram page at Real Muslima Talk and join the conversation. So what would you say are like the top qualities that for example a person should have or should strive to have within a marriage in order to, you know, allow it to thrive? Okay, so in my opinion, I think one of the key factors of being able to survive in a marriage is to be laid back understanding empathetic um i think yeah i think those are like the main words for me but then of course there are other factors as well in terms of like honesty selflessness um being faithful you know you've got those as well but i think laid back understanding i think those two empathetic those three are the most important factors for me personally okay interesting because even those i would say um well laid back didn't really come to mind but yeah definitely understanding um empathetic and um yeah for me here's the thing right so you have the base right and then upon which all of these other qualities are built so of course the base is going to be um taqwa and mindfulness of allah right um mm-hmm. and then based on that all these other qualities are going to be added to that so that's kind of like the foundation because i do know that for example uh, you know partners can have sometimes qualities such as you know understanding and um empathetic and all that but if they ultimately don't have their own mindfulness of allah and know that you know ultimately they're going to be questioned uh, for their own actions each individual in the marriage you know is going to be questioned for their own actions and mm. you know when it comes down to for example like um you know arguments and things like that what helped me so in the beginning i never really used to um you know like to say sorry at all because i i felt like it was not my fault so why should i say it you know what i mean um and i was quite you know fortunate in a way alhamdulillah that my husband was okay with saying you know sorry the being the first one to say to say sorry so um i kind of you know relied on that but as you know we started to progress in the marriage i feel like it kind of dawned on me that if you know the hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that uh, if um you give up an argument i guarantee a house i think is in the middle of jannah for the one who gives up an argument even though he's right and i see a smirking there um uh basically so I, you see with me is that at times i thought oh i'm not going to say sorry i'm not going to you know give into this cuz i feel like i was you know right but then i would remind myself of this and i would say you know what at the end of the day um not only do i get reward in the hereafter for this but also i'll see the reward in this life even though i'm you know slightly lowering myself to a way where you know i'm kind of say apologizing for something i don't necessarily believe that i'm wrong and i found that 
it really does help. Like it just yeah. What do you have to say? For I agree that? with you. I I agree with you a hundred and ten percent. And I'll tell you why. I'm I'm very similar to you. My apologies need to mean something. I'm not going to say sorry if I don't think I'm wrong. And yeah. um, until today, I do still have that principle and that belief. However, like it's it's definitely a hadith that I've found really really hard to kind of act upon. But I yeah. really like with me also what I've learned about myself is sometimes when I'm preaching something, it pushes me to act upon it as well. Yeah. So when I've had somebody get in touch with me uh, because they want some advice or because, you know, th they want me to help them or because maybe I'm delivering a class or a lecture or a seminar. What I actually started doing is I started mentioning this hadith and that kind of forced me to now act upon it because yeah. for me, I just, if I'm preaching something, I feel really hypocritical if I'm not going to act upon it myself. So then I have started acting upon it and it makes the world's difference why does what is it it's our ego it's our ego that's pushing yeah. us to not say sorry and um yeah you do feel like you know you weren't even in the wrong why should you apologize but do you know what I do apologize and do you know there were times when I'd say things like well um I'm sorry you feel that way and my husband is quite an intelligent person so he'd be like yeah. that's not an apology that's, you know yeah. I want a pro you know I want you to be sorry you are like you know basically using your words so I you know and, and I think back and I think oh my gosh that's so true I was like twisting my words so that I'm not really apologizing when yeah. really like you just apologize if you need to that doesn't mean that now every single time you should keep on apologizing but sometimes you, I think you need to be smart enough to be able to gauge when and when you shouldn't so yeah. I think definitely just apologizing even when you're not in the wrong um, yeah. Or just to give up the argument is definitely something that really, really helps in a marriage. And I can, I can guarantee that because I've experienced it firsthand. Because now I do apologize, even though I know, like, it's not yeah, even my fault. But I, I'll just be like, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I'm very yeah. sorry. You know. Yeah. And I, and I think my tone probably even gives it away. Yeah. that I'm not even really sorry but then I think just the fact that you say sorry and and you give up that much of your ego I think the opposite person is able to appreciate that yeah well so he, even I was like that as well where then slowly I would be saying sorry but but it would be a but do you get me I'm I'm sorry but I had to do it you know what I mean like I'm oh I'm sorry but like but adding but this extra justification yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's not also, you know, an apology. And um, mm. you know what you said about the tone of voice? I feel like, see, see, for my husband, even the tone of voice matters. So it was like, um, yeah, you're saying sorry, but you're saying it like you, you don't you don't even mean it. And and then I was like, no, no, oh, that's definitely happened to me too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's yeah, 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 yeah. That's definitely the case the case for me as well. But I think like really practicing your tone and. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard work, but I think you definitely get there. And it's one of those things that's just a work in progress. Like yeah, you just got to yeah. keep working at it. Definitely. Um, yeah, and then you, we mentioned, both of us, we mentioned the quality of empathy, right? And I feel like, mm -hmm. see, the thing with empathy is that why it's so important is, like we've been mentioning, is that, you know, there's so many factors that come to play when it comes to, you know, the, your 
for example, your spouse's behavior towards you. So not only what you, for example, what you did that triggered it, but why did it trigger him in that way? Well, it's to do with a whole host of factors such as, you know, their upbringing or, you know, what they're used to or what their expectations are, etc. So when you have empathy, you're kind of putting yourself in that position and thinking like, for me, I think to myself, well, you know, yeah, I do, for example, get mad at sometimes if he doesn't, you know, pick the initiative to actually help me in certain things around the house. But then I think to myself, Mm -hmm. well, if I was in his situation, like if I put myself in his situation, right, and growing up, uh, you know, having maids helping around the house and, um, you know, if my parents did everything for me where I didn't have to lift, you know, a, a spoon and then coming to, you know, the uni and basically just doing anything that I wanted, however I wanted. I mean, of course, it's it's not going to come to me naturally to, to t- be the initiator of help. You know what I mean? So then I was thinking to myself that then you have greater compassion towards them. And then instead of like just expecting them to do it, I think then you sort of um, understand where they're coming from. And then you kind of feel better that you're reminding them instead of just be like, oh, why didn't you do it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. I agree. You know what you were saying about, yeah, sorry, go on. Uh, no, I was going to go on to another quality. So is there anything that you wanted to mention? Can was... I carry on? Yeah. Okay. So um, another quality, like you said, to be to be laid back. And I feel like that maybe ties in with compromise. So like mm. just being easygoing and like, you know, where where it needs to be that you are the one that has to give up something. Um, mm. You know, as long as, of course, you know, it's a give and take, meaning it doesn't have to be in the exact same way you know nowadays i feel like a lot of women um were being fed this notion that men and women are equal you know men and women are not equal and they're never going to be equal but they have like they what's the word that's not equal but uh equity like they yeah 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 yeah. Mm. yeah, so the men and women, for example, they don't need to share the chores hundred percent. Like, oh, yeah. So, um, if I do the dishes today, tomorrow you do the dishes. It doesn't necessarily have to be like that. It can be, for example, yeah. something as simple as, you know, um, well, I do the dishes, and you know, you can, um, I don't know, pack the laundry away. You know what I mean? Something. Yeah. It doesn't have to yeah. be necessarily. And also, it may not be for some couples. It may not be that they share household chores. However the overall contributions to the marriage is shared. So for example, the man is the one that's, um, you know, always providing and like, uh, if let's say, for example, the car breaks down, they fix the car or they, uh, you know, take care of things like that, the the lawn or the gardening, etc. Right. Um, yes. And the woman, she takes care of other things like, um, for example, if her, she doesn't mind like um, washing the dishes or putting the laundry away and stuff like that. So it doesn't necessarily, my point is that when it comes to compromise, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be compromised on every area in in an equal way. You know what I mean? It can be compromised yeah. in a way that maybe, you know, it doesn't really look fair or equal, but it is. Yes, yes, I agree. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you were saying something, sorry, earlier. Um, yeah, no, so you know your... Uh, like what you were saying about being understanding and being laid back and all of that. 
um, it just reminded me back to what we were just discussing previously and how you were saying that you didn't like, you literally just got into the marriage. You didn't really like listen to podcasts or do much reading or all of that, right? Yeah. And uh, I remembered like in the first episode that we were recording and when we were talking about looking into getting married, I said that there are some books and articles that you can read, but I couldn't remember the names. So what yeah. I actually did is I remembered them and I wrote them down um, just so that we can share with the viewers because I do feel so I'm more of a reader than a listener but I do know that there's lots out there that you can listen to I mean like today we're having this podcast and we do hope that it will help um, some sisters inshallah and you've got so many lectures and seminars online and things like that but also there are articles online and there are some books that I would recommend um, every sister actually no every sister even when she's like when they're in their courting phase or whatever it is that you want to call it she also requests her fiance or her potential to read as well because a lot of the times like you uh, uh sister umar abdurrahman like you mentioned earlier that men are a little more nicer at the beginning so like if you ask them to do something they're, they're more willing to do it at the time because like yeah. once you're married it's like ah you know well like you say, she's like I own her anyway. Yeah, yeah, she's my wife. So what? So like these. So some of the books that um that I read were um so one of them was the Five Love Languages by I think it's called Doctor Gary Chapman or just Gary Chapman, and that book I don't fully like. Do you know the thing with me is that I'm like I constructively criticize a lot of things when I read them. So yeah. there are things that I don't agree with, but the overall um, genre of the book and, 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 and the tone of the book, I think it's so, so important that to learn each other's love languages, because, you know, sometimes you're loving the person the way you want to be loved, but they don't want to be yeah. loved the way you want to be loved. And I think that, yeah. that that's really, really important. And there's a sheikh that's actually Islamified these love languages as well. So that's quite interesting. Is it? Um, uh, what, which, who, who, who is it? Okay, so Dr. Yasser Qadi, he okay. he's actually Islamified them, and I and I love what he's done. Um, he's 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 used the uh, the non-Muslim version of the book, and he's just Islamified it. And I think that that's really profound what he's done. Uh, then there's What's a book. The, now, does oh, he have it? Does he have it in a book? Form? No, it's just like I think you just yeah. YouTube it. You know what? One day I just came across okay. it on Facebook and. It had subtitles, which is why I ended up even listening to it because I just read. Um, but uh, I think, like, if you searched it on YouTube, Yasir Qadi, the five love languages or something, I'm pretty sure it would come up. If you search enough, you'll definitely find it, inshallah. Um, and then there's there's this book called The Surrendered Wife, and as much as it sounds like what Surrendered Wife, a lot of what's inside. Even for someone that's been married for 10 or 20 years, I would advise the sister to read this book. And um, I think it's, it's, I think that it has a lot of, um, there's a lot of lessons that you can learn from it. Um, at the beginning of the book, the woman actually says, if you don't want to self-improve, put this book away. Like, like she, you, she's really passionate about really just making marriages work and ending divorces generally and stuff like that. Then there's okay, another book. Can I just book ask called, you a question? Is this yeah, yeah. is that book um basically is that is that book what the title meaning does no. it does it go with the title or no? Yeah. No. Okay. Like there are some parts where you're just gonna get really angry, but yeah. you've got to be you've got to persevere and keep reading because 
honestly, it's for the greater good. So I think it's definitely worth worth reading. Like I said, again, there's certain things I don't agree with. Like uh, there's something she mentions in the book where you should share all your finances or something like that. For me personally, that's not my Islamic belief. I don't believe Islamically a, a man and a woman have to share all their finances. So like that's yeah. something I definitely disagree with. And there are a few other things now. I don't remember. I read it so many years ago. Okay. But, you know, uh, there's that. Then there's another book. Um, I haven't read the whole thing, but I've read snippets. And it's called Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. And I think yeah, that that's also, a really popular really, one that people really have heard, book. but I've never, yeah, yeah, yeah I've I, never read that. I lend, I actually have these copies. My, I have my own personal copies and I lend them to people. Sometimes it's like they're going through a rough patch or they're about to get married or they're wanting to get married. And I just lend my books out because I know how important it is to read. Um, and then so does it explain, does, does that book explain how men and women are different, etc.? Yes, yes, it definitely okay. does. It explains how men and women are different. And the genders are different. And we have to be able to accept that the genders are different. And it's scientifically proven. And for me, I personally believe, like, if something is scientifically proven, you, you don't argue with science. The sexes are different. And this book explains how we're different to each other. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then there's this one book that I've actually never read, but it's called The Seven Principles of Making a Marriage Work. Um, or it's called Gottman's Seven Principles. And he yeah, has Gottman, like all these yeah, YouTube heard... lectures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it Gottman or Gottman? I'm actually not sure how his name is pronounced, but um, I've heard really, really good things about it, but I've never actually read um, yeah. his book. Um, and then there's this one book that has just come out recently, um, and that's by a Muslim. Uh, is it Mufti 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 Abdurrahman Mangera? I think is his name, and he uh, released a book I think last year or the year before, and it's called A Guide to a Healthy Muslim Marriage. And you know when this book came out, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to find something I disagree with here. But yeah. you know, as I read through it, every I just could not find anything to argue with. All of it was just so well grounded. And the reason why is because he partnered up with a sister to actually write the book. Mm. So like it's 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 like it's his name on the cover, but there was a sister that actually had a lot to do with it. And I think that that book is absolutely amazing. And I would advise, I would gift it as a present to somebody as well, because I think it's really important for both uh, man and woman to read this book. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's uh, really nice. Jazakallah uh, khair for sharing because um, now at least, you know, the sisters have something they can go back and do more, yeah. uh, you know, research yeah. into. For me, I read this one book that um, was like after, uh, meaning okay. I, I think it was about one one year or so after I got married and it was, co uh, it was called Traversing the Highs and Lows of Marriage by... A uh, sister called Sada uh, Faruqi or something. Uh, yeah, okay. but the title is Traversing the Highs and Lows of Marriage. And I felt like when I was reading it, I felt like um, I was getting advice on like <laughs> personal things that were actually going on. You know what I mean? Because oh, she okay. goes through like, you know, a lot of um, issues as well and kind of putting the advice on it. On, and yeah, so... Um, that was for me. That so was. I just want to um, write that down. Um, if you could just say yeah. the title again and her her name. Traversing the highs and lows of marriage, by okay. uh, Sadaf, uh, S A D A F, Faruqi. So. Uh, oh okay. Yeah. Jazakallah.
I'm gonna check yeah. it out inshallah yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely do um, I think see gone are the days where I think women read things like uh, being a, how to be a perfect wife and all that I think now it's like you know understanding how we can both make it work you know what I mean I mean, the surrendered wife kind of sounds like, uh, you know, maybe how to be a perfect bride or whatever. But uh, you said it's kind of different inside. There's like a plot twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the title is not what it seems. Um, when I first saw the title as well, I was like, oh, yuck. But um, yeah. when I actually read it, I was like, oh, wow. SubhanAllah. Like, you know, and the thing is, like, there's not enough Muslim content out there as well. Like, these are all non-Muslim books apart from A Guide to a Healthy Muslim Marriage. But do you know what? It works for everyone. It, it's just a global, it's just this thing that helps people globally. It doesn't really matter, yeah, you know, what language yeah. you speak, what religion you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, There is a program that I think uh, Yasir Qadi and a few others do is called Like a Garment. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. I ha I personally yeah, haven't listened yeah. to it or you know, but I have come across the you know the advertising of it. Mm. So when I first um when my my husband and I were ha had had our online interactions, he had actually advised me to look into that, and also he had sent me a clip from Yasmin Mujahid about fairy tales and marriages and stuff. And uh, I literally listened to them because he sent them to me. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have. And uh, a lot of what yeah. he said made sense. Um, yeah. I think at the time, you didn't have times to speed uh, on YouTube. Either you didn't have it or I didn't know how to use it or what, what it was. This was like, what, six, six and a half, seven years ago. Um, yeah. But like, it was really interesting what he was saying about like how how men and women are different and how things work in a Muslim marriage. And then he even had a small PDF on the intimacy side of things, which I think is so, so important for both women and men in a Muslim marriage, because like we mentioned in the previous episode, people really do suffer when it comes to intimacy as well, because like they've just taken to pornography to learn about it and they don't realize that like that that's not how you learn about intimacy. So yeah. um yeah it was it was quite good yeah there is um there was a book on sexual intimacy i'm not uh i'm not too sure about the title what it was called but it was written by a muslim muslim author um a man called uh, i can't really remember because it was like a while back um when i think one I of my think friends I know. Is, it, is it is it it's got a red cover yeah yeah um Wait, I know this. The Muslim, the Muslim's Guide to Sexual Relations, or something like that. But you know what? If you Google it, it will definitely come up. Yeah. I don't remember yeah, the guy. So, I don't remember the the, the title, uh, the author's name. But I know which yeah. book you're talking about. Yeah. So one of my friends uh, gifted that uh, to me. It was um, a real eye opener in a sense because you know, of course, we as Muslim muslims you know we don't experience this and uh, secondly our families and all that they're not really that open about discussing all this so yeah, reading it is like the the best option especially it's, it was a muslim thing so the things that you're allowed not allowed and you know how to um get by really mm. so funny you should mention this so whilst um you know like 
my mum would never have spoken to me about stuff like this because I had older friends. They actually like threw like a girls' party for me, and okay. in that party, there were actually intimacy-related questions and whether or not like this is halal or whether it's not halal. And it was like it was literally like a twist to like a bridal shower kind of thing. Okay, and um. And it was, you know, like it was an eye opener for like a lot of girls at the party who were either newly married or hadn't been married. But I think I was like one of the last to get married, though, because I was like one of the youngest. But yeah. uh, like the fact that, you know, you're going through these questions and like, you know, there was like I remember the, the, the two friends who organized it, like they had organized it such like, is it true or false? Um, or like there'd be like a case study question. And I think it's so important to have friends like that, to have friends that are like concerned for your deen enough to to educate you in this regards because uh, like like I said you know our, our parents are not okay doing that like my mom and dad would never have discussed these things with me yeah yeah um yeah definitely interesting um yeah so going back to what we were talking about uh, in terms of the in- key ingredients or key qualities to a uh, happy marriage you know to h- help it to thrive um we we mentioned you know about understanding empathy is there anything that maybe you know you want to mention about for example like the role responsibilities house uh, house chores etc i know i touched upon it saying that you know it doesn't necessarily have to be divided 100 percent i think uh, for me personally understand that in a muslim marriage there are traditional gender roles and you know when you hear the word traditional gender roles you get all like you know especially in the world with the feminism cult and everything you you've got people like that are already ready to argue with you but you know what islam is so so perfect that it's already given us roles and and it's given us balanced roles and it's not like you won't actually find a hadith that says um a woman must cook. Like, it's not going to come yeah. up like that in the Quran or in the Hadith. But the general overview that you are going to get is that the woman is going to be a mother. Like, one of the key reasons that we that we do get married is to have children. And the mom will play a large role in bringing up this child inside the home. And she will have so much yeah. to do with the tarbiyah and with the education. I mean, like, you know, there's a famous saying, um, by this Arab poet, I think, um, and he says al ummu madrasa or something like that, yeah, where yeah. he's saying the mother is the school, or, and like you know, to be able to understand that Islam has given you this, and then Islam has given men the role to provide and to be the breadwinner, and that's not to say that it's going to be like this in every single case, because like I said, the dynamics of every single marriage are different, but we've been given rough guidelines, and I think to be able yeah. to accept those. And also not using Islamic politics. Like, do you know, people are always about like my right, his right, his right, my right. That's not how a marriage will work. Like, yeah, um, yeah, that's that is like a point that I would really like to emphasize on is the fact that, you know, if we're going to be boiled down about my right, his right, um, you know, each person fighting for their rights and just, you know, sticking to, oh, is this is this obligatory upon me? Oh, okay, so if it's not, then I'm not going to do it well. What you have to understand is that marriage isn't just about what's obligatory upon you and what is your right and responsibility. It's actually about making the marriage work, um, 
you know, and if you want the marriage to work, there's going to be times where you're going to have to do more than, you know, your, um, your sort of bare like responsibilities. But at the same time, he, there's going to come a time where he's going to have to step up and do more. You know what I mean? It's not going to be all about or oh, tit for tat. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like, you know, when you bring in Islamic politics, like especially for me, Alhamdulillah, I haven't had to experience this, but do you know, a lot of the times it, it's such negative behavior. It's like toxic behavior almost. And you start resenting the person because they're reminding you of their rights. Clearly, yes. before you got married, you've, you've educated yourself on your rights and his rights. There's no need to uh, there's no need to kind of like keep going at it and taunting the other person about those rights because the, the, the marriage will not thrive. It's not going yeah. to work if you're just going to keep going this is, about rights. Yeah, uh, unless, you know, one of the parties is just not even playing their role at all. Like, you know, yeah. it's just, for yeah. example, upon the woman to do everything or upon the man to just do everything, you know, then, okay, you can mm. bring in rights. But I'm saying, as for like in everyday matters, oh, yeah, you know, it's not my duty to cook or I don't need to cook. You know what I mean? I'm just doing this yeah, yeah. Um, for you. No. Um, yeah, but having said constantly... that, ha having said that, I do believe, like, for example, for me personally, I believe that it's not necessarily the woman's, uh, you know, ro responsibility to cook or, you know, yeah, she she can cook, like, for example, you know, the basics. And, but as for nowadays, you know, sometimes men they expect like three course meals and all this fancy yeah. stuff and whatever. I, I don't believe that, but having said that there will be many times where I do step up and I do do it and I don't remind my husband to say, oh, you know, by the way, this is not what I, you know, my right or whatever. But subhanAllah, yeah. it's just to bring about more love and to bring about, you know, more of a um, connection in the marriage. I think what you've mentioned, um, it depends on what each individual wants from a marriage. So if there is a man like that and he wants a wife who, where he's going to go home and the table's going to be set out and he wants her to be like basically a full-time homemaker and housewife, I think that he needs to make that clear from the beginning. Um, and also if a woman feels that she's unable to, to live up to this, she needs to be clear about that from the beginning as well. Yeah. Because like we yeah. all have weaknesses and some of us are unable to, to kind of deliver that. So like you, again, like as a man, as a woman, it boils down to what you want initially. So like, if, you know, yeah. as a man, you've said that, no, look, I'm going to get like all, all the help that you need in the house, I'm going to give you, but I want you to be a stay at home mom and you need to be at home all the time. And I want you to like, I want you to be able to like cook nice meals and to host and um, to, to, to feed visitors and things like that. Then if he's been clear about that, then yeah she then doesn't really have a right to then make issues about it later on because he was very clear about it from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I just remembered actually, you were asking me about, because um, obviously I've said how the, the early stages of marriage were extremely difficult for me. So you said, you yeah. know, what made you like continue? And yeah. I just remembered now that one of the, uh, you know, along with advice from my dad who was understanding and, you know, he put things into perspective, but also um, taking time uh, to be apart from one another. Because there were times when I went to, um, yeah, because there were times when I went, you know, uh, to, to on vacation to my family's house, etc. And I, it was mainly so that we could have time apart so we can, you know, have that, you know how they say distance makes the heart grow fonder. 
Um, yeah. I, I definitely do believe that because it makes you just put things into perspective and realize like you're now seeing things from a, from a, like a bird's eye view or a different perspective, you know, a fresh, mm. um, you're in a different environment and now you're thinking over like, okay, what, mm. um, you know, what did he do? What did I do? And then you kind of realize that actually in the end, you're both just trying to, you know, make this thing work and you're, yeah, there are going to be, you know, obstacles and differences and everything but as long as you're mm. both trying to make your work and that's what yeah. matters so yeah time think, apart definitely helped to yeah to I think time apart not. definitely I yeah I agree with you that like you do need space from each other and I do agree that distance does make the heart grow on the hearts grow fonder but at the same time too much distance this is again my yeah. experience everyone's experience as they're different but with me, too much distance also makes the hearts grow further apart because you're away from each other for so long that you're kind of like just living two different lives. And because I've yeah. lived in, I've done long distance a few times. And by long distance, I mean like separations of four or five months. And I know mm -hmm. that that even takes a toll on a marriage. So I think just yeah, so knowing that that's enough the, distance just to, having... to appreciate the person. Yeah, exactly. Just having that balance where it's not too little where you haven't even like, you know, missed that person or not yeah, too yeah. much where now, like you said, it's becoming an issue of like, now you just start to live separate lives anyways. And then you're just like, okay, this is a new normal. So yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, touching upon, we mentioned about the finances. So you were saying how, um, you know, Islamically, it's not necessarily for the joint for the joint finances to take place so i just wanted mm -hmm. to talk about a little bit about that because maybe sometimes i feel like especially if the woman is also working um mm -hmm. she might feel pressured to like contribute or you know uh, the husband is like well i'm letting you work so um you know technically he might yeah what's the word like one. emotionally blackmail her into you know giving yeah and it's common yeah 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 mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I, I that's why I just wanted to point out that Islamically there's no such thing as that. Like if the man uh, you know, it's upon the man's shoulders to provide for the family. And if he is unable to do that, then um, you know, he can maybe have an amicable agreement with his wife to, if they want to, you know, join uh, I mean have a let's say a separate account where they both putting something you know what I mean to towards let's say the the bills and stuff but as for like having a completely shared account where everything like her savings and everything is joined with his is just you know it's, it creates a lot of um complications you know when things go sour yeah I do I I just you know what I just so disagree with this whole joint bank account thing because like then look as a man yes he has to provide and everything and as long as he's giving you your nafaqa and stuff like that you know at the end of the day it's between him and allah and if he's being stingy it's between him and allah at the end of the day so if he wants to lie yeah. about finances or lie about things being tough and all of that you know what he's lying to allah ultimately so and, and how can you lie to the being that created you so I just feel that if, you know, if, if you're going to behave like that, then that's between you and God. But like with this whole joint finances thing, for me, it just doesn't work because I've had my own money since I was so young that I'm not willing to 
I don't believe in this whole sharing business because it does cause issues later on. Sometimes things are rosy for like 20 years and 20 years down the line, there are issues. And like, you know, you're making issues over like you spent this and you spent that. And then you're arguing over finances when if from the beginning you had agreed that, look, he is going to be the provider because that's his job. That's his God given duty. He's going to give you the nafaqa that he can afford. So like sometimes what happens is at the beginning of the marriage, he can't afford so much. But then later on, he's so used to giving you so little. And this is very common. It's such a common problem that five years, 10 years down the line, Allah has given him. And he's just, just still being just a bakhil. Like, astaghfirullah, <laughs> it's not a nice thing to say. But like, you know, the, like what's going on? Like, you know, you always want to talk about your rights and stuff. Well, they're, they're here. Like, you know, and I feel also like both with women changing, with women working and stuff like that, it's definitely changed the dynamics of many marriages globally. Because now yeah. men are like, oh, so what? She makes her own money. And like they forget that it's still a God-given duty and it's still a God-given obligation. So yeah. it really is yeah, a tough then, one. But like, and see, the thing is women, because they now have their own financial freedom, it's like before people were more bound to stick in a marriage because, you know, they had their, that financial security from the man. Yeah. Uh, whereas nowadays yeah. it's like a woman is less um, willing to put up with anything because she now has her own financial freedom and she's like, well, I can, you know, live on my own anyways. Um, mm. So I think, I think in that sense, it's important to remind ourselves that it's not necessarily, we're not living in a marriage because we depend on one another. We're living in a marriage, yeah. meaning we're, we're we're having this, you know, union because we are, you know, connecting and we, uh, what's the word? We're not, we're not Acting dependent. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was going to say that it's not because you're dependent, but it's because you want that companionship, I guess. You know what I mean? That companionship, yeah. uh, you know, in, in life in general. Mm, um, mm. And uh, yeah, like you said, acting upon a sunnah and also you, we just mentioned about, you know, bringing children um, and stuff like that. So there are, you know, it's not just about, oh, I'm, I'm dependent yeah. on this person, hence why I have to stick with yeah. them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but how do you feel? How do you feel about a woman being financially stable before she gets married? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, before she gets married? Or like, uh, even, yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, in in fact, if the woman has the opportunity, let's say, you know, to work in a in a Islamic environment, you know, where she's not compromising on her religion, then I mean, no doubt, why would uh, why would anyone why should anyone have a problem with it? <laughs> you know what mm -hmm. I mean? As long as she's obviously, for example, if a woman's living with her parents, um, this is before like she gets married and everything, then of course, as long as she's giving them their uh, rights and stuff and she's being dutiful towards them because see what happens is that a lot of the times when women I, I mean I have nothing against women working and me personally I you know do things as well like I, I also teach and stuff so I'm not like 100% a housewife as such but I would say that sometimes you know when women work and stuff they kind of get it in their heads that they're a bit too you know um what's the word they're a bit too independent and they you know they they can manage it they they pay the bills and stuff like that and mm -hmm. then what happens is that they 
And also the whole, like, just working in itself, of course, it saps from your energy as well. You know what I mean? So when yeah, you come back home, yeah. So when you come back home, then you can't perform to optimal optimum level, you know, in terms of just uh, the basics of running a household. You know, sometimes it just, mm. and that's where I feel that is even more important and critical for both the spouses to be of like, uh, of the same like level of understanding and thinking where they're able to selflessly, for example, you know, allow that person to maybe let some things go. You know what I mean? Mm, mm, mm. So, yeah, because yeah. ultimately we can't, I mean, we can try to do everything, but we we really can't. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We're not built to do everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree with you. Um, because what happens is when you're working full time, um, you are unable to do everything at home. And what is going to happen is you are going to end up reaching burnout. And, you know, like you'll see people that do work full time and they bring up their children and they, you know, they do all of these things. Right. But there's definitely um, there's definitely things that you don't see behind the scenes. Yeah. And it's definitely like, you know, sometimes women, they reach burnout 10 years later but they definitely get there. Yeah. So I definitely yeah. believe like, yeah, yeah. I definitely think it's important to understand that. Also, I think like in terms of, in terms of spending as well, I think some women, they're just so used to spending a lot of money. Mm. So what ends up happening is because their husband is unable to kind of keep up with that kind of expense, they have no choice but then to carry on working. Yeah. So, like, there as well, I think, what do you have to say you about know what? that? Because that's also a tough one. Yeah, well, here's the thing. That's why Islam, when we, when it talks about compatibility, you know, um, mm. it, it's not necessarily only compatibility in the sense that, you know, you're uh, from the same, uh, you know, background in terms of, you know, culture and that. But also in terms of, you know, financial thing is also... Yeah important to be compatible on that that you're supposed to look at yeah yeah because um you know a lot of the times people assume that oh no you know he's mind you nowadays a lot of women are looking for wealthy men uh i don't know do you see that as uh, as uh, a norm because i i definitely feel like i like, think for so example, yeah they are looking for someone financially stable yeah, they're meaning, and they're looking for like edu quite highly educated men who you know have mm-hmm. financial financial uh, stability and everything. And uh, yeah, I mean that is to a degree depends on how you are as a person. So if you feel like mm-hmm. you know I am a person who likes my shopping, I like you know to get my uh, clothes every every month or whatever it is that your habits are, you need to be aware of um you know the status of your your husband's provisions as well yeah also i think what it is as well is that times have changed so much as well so like just say like a century ago or two centuries ago you know things like um getting your hair done or like having a facial done or whatever it was amongst the tribe so like the women were doing it for each other for free and stuff like that. Whereas now we live in a world of consumerism and yeah. it's like if you if you do want to get your hair done, for instance, or you do feel like going for a facial or a massage or something, you know, just small, um, small things that you enjoy doing, you've now got to pay for them. 
because yeah. the world has changed. So like in that regards, like things have become a bit more expensive globally. And then like, unfortunately, like a lot of households, they just can't survive on a one, a one man, a one man's income, basically. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of, I mean, sometimes the woman needs to work, for example, for like just basic necessity, like the bills just can't be paid or just solely off the man's income and stuff. But then what, but then there's another criteria, which is now these extra, um, accommodating Mm. for all these extra things in the, in the marriage, like you said, the facials or the the hair or this or that, or like going out to Mm. eat and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's when a lot of women, they start working and they're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm like doing it because I need all these extra, you know, things in my mm-hmm. life, which they, they, they okay to pay for it on their own, like from their own yeah. pockets. Mm-hmm. Would you yeah. think, you know, that, um, for example, y- you said, um, that you had, you know, fi- financial stability before getting married as well. So would you say that, for example, when you got married, was it difficult or was it, what, did it not ma- matter to you of, about, like, for example, asking your husband for some financial, you know, for something financially mm. when you know that you have the funds to provide yeah. for it? Yeah. So, like, you know, this is definitely something that I've struggled with. And um, a lot of women, like, I always hear this, oh, I have my own money anyway, so I'm like, I'm not going to depend on my husband for it and stuff. Like, I was just speaking the other day to a newly married woman, and she was like, oh, no, but I'm not going to ask my husband for money because, like, um, you know, I have my own money and, you know, I have my own finances yeah. and this and that. But do you know what? There is going to come a stage in your life when you are going to stop working, and all of a sudden, you're going to need X amount of money and your husband's going to be like, hang on a second, what was going on all these years? And they're not going to be used to giving you that money. And it is going to cause an explosion. And I can almost guarantee that it is because I've heard of so many stories where people are married for like five, six years and finances don't matter because she's like, oh, so what? I make my own money, you know? And then there comes a point where now she's finding it really, really tough because now she's had a child. Um, She's now, you know, she's the one that's now the full-time homemaker and whatever and the man is like it's not even that he can't afford he's just sometimes I feel like yeah they're just used to it they've just become so enabled and like there's actually been cases where the girl feels like why should I have to ask does he not have the common sense to to tell me and personally I feel that men do have the common sense and they just choose to behave a bit ignorant sometimes because like I've heard and seen firsthand where men are really giving with finances, but then with their wife, they're just so uptight and just like, you know, I I just feel like from the beginning, you need to like make it clear that, Hey, I want an allowance. And like, if you buy something which you know is supposed to be provided for by him from the beginning, you've got to have the guts to say, Hey, you need to reimburse me for this. Like it's hard. I never did it. Until today, it's something I I really struggle with. But I think that you need to be able to, because what's going to happen is 10 years down the line, five years down the line, you're going to end up having this built up resentment Mm. where you feel like, oh my God, I'm paying for all of this and I'm doing more than my part. Yeah. So I think especially, you know, I think especially those who, for example, they have financial stability, the women, but their husband may be like, not that well off and they just about you know getting in the basic income i think 
they kind of feel you know quite guilty guilty for that because i know for me personally uh, although I, I wasn't really working in that but i did have of course my own savings in that and like m- my husband you know was a student and um i don't know if he had savings and whatever but i kind of did feel you know sorry for sorry for him you know what i mean yeah and, yeah of course you do yeah yeah but um having said that uh, i quickly realized that if i'm going to keep doing this he's going to get used to it and it's not going to be you know something that's going to be serving me in the future you know what i mean no so and, the, yeah, and the longer it carries on the longer it carries on the harder it's going to get and do you know sometimes like i'll be having like just the other day i was talking to this newly married woman she's been married like what one month i think and she's like and i'm trying to explain to her that no but it's your right like he should provide for you and stuff and she's like no no but i just she was just she was just so adamant that like she does not want her husband to pay for anything of hers and that mentality like it's changed over the years and we need to change it back you see some things should be there to stay and these are things like a man being the breadwinner and providing like i think that's yeah. you know that's an islamic thing and i believe islam is so perfect and he should be the one especially if he's able to and um you know of course he knows best if he's able to it's between him and god but especially if he's able to he you know you shouldn't feel that like oh i have to spend my own money and i shouldn't have to ask for him and ask from yeah. him and things like that yeah 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 well if the woman for example if the woman happily does it you know from the goodness of her heart then of course she's going to be rewarded for it and you know it's a good act yeah of course and um mm-hmm. she can continue but here we're talking about if a woman you know she she doesn't say it only because she's doesn't have the guts you know what i mean or she feels mm-hmm. bad for the man but in reality yeah. she's like oh he should mm-hmm. be providing yeah uh yeah. one last thing on finances do you think that uh your husband should should know how how much you have is it oh, something that oh absolutely not look mm. i'm not like i'm not saying that they like look every marriage is different but i feel like i feel like if they know how much you have i don't know it's just i just feel like it's just not their business like if for me it's also like the whole islam thing comes in here to play where islamically if they don't need to know then why should you have to tell them like that's more of like a cultural thing and yeah. um that's not to say like you hide how much you make and mm. what exactly you know but like men also they don't tell their wives exactly what they make and exactly how much they have like yeah they might claim they do and like yeah. Yeah, you might have an overall idea and an estimate but um i think that here it, the, the freedom comes in like you need to be able to trust each other enough to 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 have that freedom of like your spouse doesn't need to know exactly how much you make Yeah. Um yeah. I don't know like I'm sure there'll be people that are going to disagree with me here but this is this is my opinion and uh Yeah, no, I I, I agree it, with you know? that actually. Yeah. yeah, I I agree with that. But I'm uh, I'm trying to think of maybe other women who feel like oh it's like as if you know maybe I'm hiding something. You know what I mean? And they just want to mm-hmm. lay it all out in the open but then what they don't realize is that um number one is not none of their concern anyways. Number two is that um you know it might be used against you you know what i mean in any yeah. um you know yeah i think what we always need to remember is that 
who we've married is human at the end of the day. And yeah. like Shaitan is always there, always there trying to like just pick and pick and pick. And he comes knocking and, you know, he tries to make things worse than they seem. And like, you don't need that. So it's just better to kind of avoid all of it from the beginning, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And also another thing, um, this is now moving on from the finances, is, um, mm-hmm. you know, the another quality to have is communication. And when I say communication, mm. I just don't, don't mean any kind of communication, but effective communication where listening and, you know, understanding and speaking and everything takes place in that setting you know what I mean where it's not just one person are saying their perspective and the other person just you know listening but it's a healthy discussion that can take place Mm. I feel like that's really important respectfully yeah yeah, respectful communication yeah I always whenever anyone says like I've heard people say all the time that oh communication is so important in a marriage you know I always put my tuppence in and I'm always like respectful communication is so important in a marriage because you can communicate you can bang pots and pans and scream and shout at each other that's not going to be effective but like if you're going to respectfully communicate and you're going to listen to the other person to actually listen and not answer back and like you said to be understanding and to actually have a healthy conversation or a healthy discussion or a healthy debate that's yeah that's important yeah yeah and um another thing is you know overlooking and forgiving in a way you know because for example you're bound to make mistakes and um you're bound to hurt the other person it might not be intentional but it will happen right um whether you're whether you are the one hurting or you're being the one hurt you know what i mean it's gonna happen um but just overlooking it i think is really important because knowing you see what people like to do is you know subconsciously they keep score of things so oh yeah you know yeah. Um, this happened and that happened but what mm. happens is that you know it builds up and then you'll find yourself reacting to something something that just deserves a small reaction and you just end up blowing your top because you're just like all this is building up in your head so mm. you know and what remember i don't just mean like just brushing it aside and moving on no try and communicate it like you know get with your husband in a in a respectful manner and etc then once that's over don't hold that you know against him yeah now it's sorted out now yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. i think definitely to, bringing up things from the past is, is so yeah. detrimental you know yeah. like you said your sorries you know you've said you're going to improve and you're going to try and work out things and then like you have another argument that has doesn't even really have anything to do with the previous issue that happened like three months ago or six months ago or two weeks ago it's something completely different and then you bring that up I think it's so unhealthy and it really is you don't realize how detrimental it can be to your relationship because um it really does affect it negatively yeah definitely and if you need to for example if you need to like journal about it or something it's better than talking to somebody else like we mentioned earlier because as as tempting as that is uh mm. not not everyone is gonna you know be quick to forget about your move on you know what i mean and people will still hold especially that yeah you know now that you mentioned that even before when you mentioned it i wanted to actually mention this and that is that sometimes we think going to our mom and dad is like 
that's the thing. Like we trust our mom and dad the most. So we go to our mom and dad for our marital issues. And you know what? Unless you need them to really mediate between something that's really, really serious, I think you need to really consider whether or not this thing is worth going to your parents about. Because do you know what? Look, I don't know how it works for you, but with me, if I was to go to my mom and dad, immediately, immediately, my husband would be the bad guy. Because, like, I'm the apple of their eye. Like, why did he do that to my daughter? And they're just going to start, like, disliking him when you've, like, kissed and made up. So you've got to be really careful who you take advice from. I mean, who you decide to confide in. And like you said, journaling, we've got phones now and, you know, you can write in your notes, your notes can be password protected, you know, do that, like write things down. And you know, when you write things down in your notes, it gives you so much clarity. And sometimes when you go back, you'll think, okay, maybe I overreacted. Maybe I was like just being a bit dramatic and it's so important to just, to just kind of like, kind of like talk to yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Talk to yourself and make yourself yeah. see sense. Yeah. yeah. And if, if you need to go to somebody or speak to somebody about it, um, then, you know, think of the person who is going to be as just as possible and look at it objectively as opposed to, you know, mm. taking sides. Because um, yeah. what it is, the the reason why I went to like my dad, for example, is because um, he was the one that was recommending my husband in the first place and he was the one who really yeah. praised him and you know really like uh, you know mm. wanted like you know really basically made him made him look really good so in my head I felt like he my dad really obviously liked my husband and of course he likes me as his daughter so he's hopefully you know going to take a neutral position and he actually did you know what I mean so that's yeah, why it helped yeah Mm -hmm. alhamdulillah so um yeah now uh that brings us to the topic of in-laws and basically you said how in the beginning you were um living on your own right so you had that as a stipulation Mm -hmm. um so did that remain the whole way or um did that change and yeah okay so here like okay so like if you remember in the first episode I was saying to you like I stood my ground and I was even judged for like being a bad influence because I was like no you know if I get married like I want my own space and whatever but now after everything that like uh, the way things have panned out in my life if I was now to give advice to somebody this is me evolving now yeah now to give advice to somebody I would actually say to them that look it is a preference to want to live on your own but like don't don't say no to a guy just because um he's not going to be able to provide that for you and the reason why I say that is because um I think about three years into my marriage due to unforeseen circumstances that none of us expected nobody in the family did um we had to actually move out of our apartment and it was a huge shock I think a trauma for both of us uh, because it happened so quickly it didn't happen within a matter it didn't happen within a matter of days it happened within a matter of hours within hours mm-hmm. we, I was like you know um, moving in with my in-laws and like I said it was a traumatic time for both of us and we had all these emotions that we had to kind of navigate through but then at the same time because like we had been married for so long we kind of knew 
how to treat each other when like things are going tough and things like that. And yes, uh, despite it not being the ideal living arrangement, I do actually mm. live with my in-laws now and we make it work, you know. And yeah, it's not always as easy and it's not always as ideal. But alhamdulillah, the general, I'd say overall, it's still okay. It's not like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to survive. Oh, I need to yeah. leave him. Like, it's not that bad. Yeah, well, do you know what? Uh, here's the thing, right? So you said that they shouldn't, they shouldn't refuse the man, you know, based on the fact that obviously he can't provide his own. Um, to an extent, okay, I agree. Um, you know, yeah, definitely. If the man, for example, fits like majority of the criteria, and let's say maybe the only thing that's lacking is that he's, you know, he's living with his parents and he's not willing to move out. The thing is, I would weigh up, like, I wouldn't just blindly say, okay, this man has everything ticked and now there's this one thing and, you know, I shouldn't refuse. I think I should, like, actually find out, okay, how are his parents like and find out more about that. Um, mm. So then, yeah, so then that takes us back to the first episode where I said that if the living arrangements are going to be such that you're living with in-laws, then you shouldn't yeah. just have a meeting with the husband. You should oh, yeah, actually yeah. have a meeting with the mother-in-law and the father-in-law and whoever else is living in that home. And that's something yeah. that doesn't happen. And I think it needs to start happening. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But see, here's the thing, right? So what I have found um, is that people... For example, they they um, get married and they they they're told that oh yeah you know living arrangements will be separate and everything, but obviously nothing's concrete. So when the woman gets married, then she lives with the in-laws. But see, the thing is, each in-laws, of course, they di they differ, right? Um, and the whole circumstance is unique. But there are like for example cases where I've heard like. You know, it just, the in-laws are just so difficult because remember the in-laws, the parents, uh, they come from a different generation, right? Both like mm. your parents and the, the man's parents. So mm. it's like that, you know, in th that, um, what's it called? Just their presence and maybe, you know, some like interactions that happen. It kind of, like really turns the relationship sour you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah and now yeah. this woman yeah. is feeling like you know well this man is you know nice and everything but he doesn't want to leave his parents and his parents are really making our life harder for us mm. so what what does she do then in that circumstance mm. i think each situation is different but um like you see it's not this isn't like you can't give a black and white answer for this you yeah, can't say yeah. like oh you do this i think it depends on the context of everything so like are her, are her family understanding uh and accommodating um is she able to go back to her family and say look listen he promised me this and he's unable to fulfill this promise i need you guys to help here now or like like the middleman trying to trying to get him involved or just really sitting down with the guy and saying to him, look, listen, I cannot live like this. If you want me to live like this, then we need to all sit down at the table or somewhere and we need to, we need to lay everything out on the table and we need, we need things to be clear. We need things to be crystal clear. And like just, just, just having some sort of a routine, um, I don't know, even if it means that you're going to have turns, you know, as silly and as ridiculous as it sounds, um, 
I, I obviously I live in a joint household now and we do have turns in, in things that we do. And like, it's really made things so much easier because things are now in black and white. So it's not like, oh, she wakes up one day. No one's going to say, oh, she didn't even cook. The thing is, she didn't even know that she should have cooked or shouldn't have cooked. There was no proper communication. So if she's going to have to live in that kind of an environment and you want her to live with your parents, then you've got to be man enough. And here I just feel men are just not man enough anymore. They're unable mm -hmm. to sit down at the table and say, look, mom, dad, and then any other siblings that they're living with, brothers and sisters. Sometimes what happens is like the, 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 the husband is the eldest and they've got all these younger brothers and sisters and the wife is expected to just clean up after them like she's their mom or something, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, to be someone actually told me before, uh, someone actually told me before I got married that, oh, um, you know, if, if your husband's the, the eldest, then you as mm -hmm. a daughter-in-law is going to have it even harder because, and then at the time mm -hmm. I didn't quite understand it, but I think mm -hmm. now that I'm married, I kind of get it because technically you are coming like they've never ever dealt with um you know a daughter-in-law and you've it's, it's both of your first times you know what I mean so you don't have like a benchmark and then you kind of unsure okay you know where is my position in this and like you said you know sometimes the woman the daughter-in-law is then expected to uh you know also clean up after the other siblings and it just becomes mm. this like this whole mess and she is like the first one to set the trend if you like so the next daughter-in-law yeah. if there is another one to come then she's gonna mm. be basically either thanking you or you know yeah not like or either cursing you because yeah. she's be like you know yeah. either you make it easier for her or harder for her so mm. that is where I feel like boundaries really come into play like they definitely yeah. within within marriage of just a husband and wife they should be you know boundaries in terms of like we discussed you know finance financial boundaries and other boundaries you know um that should be discussed uh be between two spouses but definitely definitely within the um you know the, the extended family the in-laws etc there definitely needs to be a uh, clear boundaries. clear boundaries and the thing is that mm. if See, with me, I, you know, entered the marriage and I didn't even have any education on anything. Like I, I already told you, I didn't read much or anything. Mm. So mm. for me, um, you know, I didn't even have this idea of me having boundaries because in my head, I was like, you know, all this, because um, I had heard just so much negativity in terms of like in-laws and stuff, meaning people complaining that, oh yeah, in-laws are, you know, really hard to deal with and stuff. In my head, I was just like, I'm going to make that different for me. I'm going yeah. to be like my mother-in-law's best friend. And, you know, we're going to have like, it's going to be all good. And because, you know, they don't have any um, daughters and stuff. It's going to be all good and everything. Uh, so I didn't know anything about like boundaries and all that. Because, you know, we're not educated on these things um, from an early age. But after things go pear-shaped, you realize, oh my gosh, if only I had made it clear in the beginning that, Mm. I wasn't going to do this or I can do this. You know what I mean? Mm. You see, um, like there's disadvantages and advantages to it, right? Because I did have boundaries from the very beginning. I, I did have is boundaries it? and until today I do have boundaries. And do you know what? Your persona then is described as, okay, it's not that I'm the bad guy, but like I do have a bit of a rapport like of, of being someone that's like quite strong-headed. Strong-headed is a nice word that I'm describing myself as, but like I've been described as not so nice words. 
because I've had boundaries. So like now, if you're going to be the kind of person that is going to have boundaries from the beginning, you've got to be okay with people not really liking you. You've got to be able to, um, you've got to like, are you going to lose sleep over it at night? Like I don't lose sleep over someone disliking me as long as I haven't done anything wrong to them. And my conscience is clear. Um, I'm fine. But like you, it, it takes a certain type of heart and a certain type of strength to have boundaries from the beginning as well. But then yeah. having said that, like, you know what? First impressions, they last. First impressions are forever. So now, yes, I did have boundaries at the beginning, but had I done a few things differently, maybe I wouldn't be labeled or titled as the kind of person that I am today. So not not that I'm labeled as like a really bad daughter-in-law or anything like that. No, alhamdulillah, like we all have like a decent relationship. But like there are certain things where because that was the first impression, it's no matter what I do to try and change that, it's not going to change that. Mm. So I think like it just depends, like, yes, have boundaries, but maybe like don't be as stubborn as I was. I don't know. Yeah, um, you did bring up a good point about impressions lasting. Um, but you know what? I personally do feel like, okay, maybe impressions uh, are important. However, meaning first impressions. However, if a person's behavior changes, right? Mm -hmm. There is scope for, you know, that impression to fade away. Um, you know what I mean? Because but then like, what, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. I prefer, I'm the type of person where I prefer to, to know the person for, you know, who they are. Like, show me your, just show me your true colors. Like, even if it's Based the on. worst uh, impression that I get, I'd rather have that, you know, uh, out in the forefront than, you know, having all this niceness and this, uh, you know, facade of all this kindness in the beginning. And then mm -hmm. later on, you know the real side comes out or or i wouldn't necessarily say it's the real side but with i guess with just living together and stuff like that you know a person's weaknesses come out more and mm. uh you know there's there's a clash and then I, and then you kind of feel betrayed because you feel like oh well this is the impression that i got and this is the impression mm -hmm. that they gave me and now look where it is you know what i mean mm -hmm. so um yeah, I mean, like, it's a tough one. You know what I mean? Uh, see, here's the thing, right? Um, so not all the time is it the fact that, you know, the, the for example, the, the mother-in-law, the father-in-law is the problem. Maybe it's the daughter-in-law. You know what I mean? You, yeah. there, is, um, there are times when you yourself as a person, you're quite a difficult person, you know, and um, that's where you have to really be honest with yourself and, you know, realize that me just having my ego you know fed all the time by being right or meaning supposedly looking like the one being right yeah. and you know it's not going to help the situation you know you have to be yeah. somewhat understanding I feel like he see here's the thing I, I once um someone told me that basically you know you should try and win over your in-laws by you know you can uh, one way of doing it is by giving gifts and stuff. What do you say about that? I agree a hundred percent in the sense that look, if you remember, like just previously, I was telling you that like I'm not I'm not the best person in the kitchen, and it's no secret. 
but like I do buy presents and like I just love buying presents for people anyway not just my in-laws so like it's not really just doing it for them it's just doing it for anyone that I love like I just love spoiling people that I love so you know that's my way of showing them that I do love and appreciate them because when I think about all my in-laws, every single one of them plays a part in my life. And I can't really imagine my life without them now because we do have a healthy relationship. And that's not to say that we don't have disagreements. Of course we do. Um, I'm not the kind of person to take things lying down. So sometimes I do disagree. I disagree with the elders as well. But um, when all is said and done, like we still have like this, we know that like we're family basically. And I think I think having that, to be able to have that, that your in-laws are your family. I know obviously with you, uh, of course, it is your family, but like to to really accept them as your family, like I think that's something that's really, really hard. But like with time, I do feel that you can have a relationship like that. See, here's the thing, right? Because, um you know how you how you behave in especially you know in the beginning and stuff it kind of sets the tone so like you said about mm -hmm. first impressions but also it's like okay so for example if you give them of course you know in the beginning it's natural you know to give give gifts and stuff like that but then it kind of becomes like an you know an expectation that maybe but but the gifts don't have to be big and they don't have to be frequent like Sometimes I go on holiday and I get presents for everyone. Sometimes I go on holiday and I don't. Um, yeah. Sometimes I go to the shops and I, I don't know, I see something that I know everyone's going to really like. So then I'll get, like, I just feel like gifts don't have to be exactly the same every single time. I, like, again, I think with us, it's just the difference of opinion. But No, um, I, 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 don't, I, I don't disagree yeah. with the gifts part. I'm just saying that yeah, there yeah. are some cases where then it becomes like, you know, a sort of like an expectation. Or, and then if the one time, like, for example, she doesn't give a gift or whatever, and then it's like, oh, you know, a big deal. When in reality, I guess yeah, you could say that yeah. not only with gifts, but with everything in general. Like, for example, yeah, if you're yeah, used yeah. to, you know, um, serving in a certain way and now, you know, you don't have that capacity to do so, then it's kind of like, oh, well, she used to do it all this time. Now what happened? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I think over here, over here, you shouldn't even feel guilty about it. Um, you know, the, the fact that they're feeling like that says a lot about them than it does about you. Yeah. So maybe I'd say, like, in order to avoid that, maybe not all the time, but maybe, like, once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And another thing that I wanted to ask you is that, do you, because um, I know that what tends to happen is that when the woman gets married, it's like, okay, now her her husband's parents are like, you know, have somehow become like her parents. And, you know, then she's expected to, let's say, call them, you know, mom or dad. And yeah. that, um, I, I don't know, what, what would you say to that? Like, is, is it something that, you know, is it something necessary in order to break that, that um, the ice, you know what I mean? Because remember, this woman is an outsider, technically. She's coming into the mm. family. So yeah. would it help yeah. to you know do what? that? I, again, like, I don't know if I'm the right person to give to, to, to like, my, my opinion is going to be a bit maybe controversial. But I don't think so. I, I, why should you be made to call your mother-in-law mum? 
like why can't you just say like khaliti or khala or i don't know whatever auntie. it is in your language auntie um why do you have to call her mum but having said that like in my relationship my husband did request that i call his mum mum which is fine um but like we have this thing where okay that's fine if you want to call if 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 i'm now going to call your mum mum you can call my mum mum too it's as simple as that mm-hmm. like and what i really loved about this was that my sisters in law are the same so like with them their husbands they are expected to call their mother in law mum but at the same time um they also their husbands also call their mum mum so like it's a two way street and mm-hmm. with things like this you know we say that oh it's not tit for tat it's not tit for tat but there are certain things that really are just going to be tit for tat and it is going to affect you and for me yeah. that's one of those things like my mother in law is not my mum but i'm expected to call her mum so then my mum is also not your mum but i expect you to call her mum like yeah there you see there's no islamic there's no really islamic guidance on this so it depends on the culture as well yeah Yeah. Um I mean in some cultures you just call them by their first name. Uh that's very common yeah. in the UK among the Caucasian community. Yeah. Which is also quite nice. Uh I think it just depends on the culture and what is but the, again this it depends from the beginning what you what you did from the beginning what you called yeah. them from the beginning. I I think you know for a, a tip for sisters maybe is to maybe ask their in-laws like oh what would you like me to call you if they are yeah. open to yeah. you know going with that because yeah. you see with me um because my uh, in-laws are basically my family my aunt and my uncle so you know I've always been used to that but I didn't know that it was actually being expected of me to um you know call them mom and whatever uh, mom and dad and for me you but see the thing you- is that yeah well now of course um because when i came when it came to my attention that it was expected of me so mm-hmm. that's when i was like oh okay but um having said that um i do feel like you know the you should come from both ways understanding because see the thing is that it's not very fair on like for the in-laws to you know expect that oh yeah now she she should call me this because you know she's right to my son kind of thing and um likewise it's not always fair that you know the 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 daughter doesn't take in the daughter-in-law doesn't take into consideration you know what what they'd like so i think it has mm. to be an agreement and not necessarily yeah not necessarily like just projecting your expectations and going sour if that doesn't go the, that way you know what i mean because mm, mm, um, for yeah. me personally I feel like um you know in life you're given one mom and one dad and mm. it's it's quite a, for me anyways it's quite a sentimental personal thing you know what I mean like I Same. know there are people mm. who are very you know um open and they're very carefree to call anyone uh, you know oh yeah mom and this and that whereas for me it's very difficult and in the beginning I really had to adjust because um he just mm. didn't come to my tongue naturally like um mm. yeah you know i but even I just now fathom. would you say it comes me, naturally um even now to be honest not really uh like exactly. i will i will throw it in a sentence here there but it won't necessarily be like my you know at the forefront all the time you know what i mean 
and um yeah because for me like i don't know the way i see it is like i said it's very sentimental and a mom is somebody who you know changed my nappies and like was there for me from day one you know what i mean yeah so yeah um and what's interesting is that i don't and because i feel that way i don't even expect my husband to call my mom mom even though mm. i do call his mom mom um but i don't expect it from him and i don't even you know ask of him to do that because see i, I i'm understanding in that sense that you know i'm i myself don't prefer it so i don't want to put it mm. on somebody else you know what i mean mm. Mm. so like you say that like it's the same with me whilst i don't prefer to do it it's it's not something that i've enforced upon my husband but like i made it clear at the beginning and but that doesn't mean that i expect him to now like there there are times where he just says auntie or whatever i don't even know um but like to to put it out there like i just think for me it's more about like just putting things out there like if i'm expected to do something why is it only yeah. that is expected that, that that's Especially that's a, yeah that's a prime example of you know having your having your boundary and being clear about it yeah mm. yeah yeah so uh, you know i was going to say something and that's when it comes to for example daughter-in-law and mother-in-law each one has their expectations right mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. each other yes and you know what was like for me personally what was um a learning curve is that sometimes the expectation isn't communicated and therefore it's kind of like you know things go sour when you don't perform to that level if you if you know what i mean yeah yeah because they're not communicated yes and from a from like as for example cuz we're advising the sister so from a daughter-in-law's perspective what advice like would you do you have for um you know when expectations aren't communicated but then things go sour when they're not being met mm. yeah i think to be i think just to have the guts to sit down with whoever it is in the family that things have gone pear-shaped with and say to them look what exactly have i done wrong in your eyes i want to understand why you're upset with me and then moving on from there and saying okay so what do you want from me and then taking it from there so sometimes that person might say something like oh um okay this is something very very common um where girls girls that come into the family are just expected to get on with it they're just expected to do things and nothing is given to them like nothing is they haven't been explained anything they're just expected to just get on with things the yeah. thing is how do you know how things are supposed to be done every household is different so now to 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 when when you're discussing this to actually say look what exactly what duties do you exactly want me to do and then like if for example they want you to do something a certain way and if that way i don't know like there's five ways of vacuuming for example if they want you to vacuum a certain way and it's not going to take anything out of your time and it's something like that you feel that you are able to accommodate then for you to be like okay i'll do it your way and also to be open minded enough to understand that your in-laws way is sometimes actually such a good way and if anything you can learn from it 
Yeah. Um, and again, like I think just being able to have the guts to have that conversation because do you know what it is as well? Generally, women they're not confrontational at all, mm. and yeah. uh, I think. I think the only reason why I am the way I am is because I was brought up in a male-dominated background, not just in terms of siblings, but even in terms of relatives and uncles and all of that. Like, I just have one auntie, both sides, like my father's side and my mother's side. Like, it's just mostly men. And because I'm so used to seeing the guys, like, just at each other or having their arguments and then just getting over it or just being exposed to that, I am also like that where I'm just like, right, let's, let's talk about it. Like, you know, like, in fact, my husband says I'm too confrontational, which I've really calmed down now. But like, I just want things to be clear in black and white. Like, even if someone's trying to explain something to me, or I feel someone's beating around the bush, hmm. I will then say, are you trying to, exp- are you trying to say this? Or are you trying to imply this? Or is this what you want? Because mm. I don't want any of this hinting business and it, it doesn't work for me. In fact, so many times something has been hinted towards me and I haven't understood. Like I genuinely haven't understood. And then mm. it's been taken negatively because I didn't get the, I didn't get the sign, you know? So yeah. I just think a communication again, just how you need to respectfully communicate your issues with your husband. You now need to respectfully communicate your issues with your in-laws, whoever it is that you're living with, um, whether it's his siblings, his mom, his dad, his grandparents, whoever it is in the house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, definitely something what that... What do you have to say about that? Um, I, would, I would definitely agree uh, to that. And to an extent, I am. Um, I, I do actually practice that uh, to an extent. Um, there are times when I kind of feel like, um, I don't know, I kind of, I kind of feel like, oh, maybe if I have a confrontation about this, it won't be forgotten. You know what I mean? And yeah, See, that's, that's something that... about like being the bad guy again. Like, are you, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Do you have it in your character to be okay with being the bad guy for that day or like forever? Like that is also something you you do have to live with. So I do see where you're coming from as well. Yeah. Yeah. What about in cases where uh, the the husband is the one telling the wife, you know, well, my mom's in the kitchen, go and help her or like, you know, go and do this and do that. What, What would you, how would you approach that? Okay. So sometimes like, you really as a girl maybe you really do need like a nudge in that direction like you didn't really think of um you know you didn't really think that oh my mother-in-law or whoever whoever is is in the kitchen and I should go and help her but there are other times where a man is overbearing about it and he you know if you get to a stage where you're like if you care that much why aren't you going to help your mom that's your mom first and foremost you owe her to help her so yeah but then but then here's the thing if it's in the culture or in their family that you know the boys don't do um you know housework then it's like oh well she she won't accept my help because you know she doesn't see that boys should need to be in the kitchen but i just feel like he's a grown man now and uh, (laughs) you you're not a child anymore 
no, I'm sorry. Like, I know that sounds a little bit harsh, but you're old enough now to go to the kitchen and be like, no, mom, I want to help. And yeah, sometimes your mom can be a little bit difficult and overbearing. And like, there are women out there that do not, like, they literally, with their hand, push their son or their husband out of the kitchen and stuff. But then if it's going to be like that, then he's, there's, you see, if as a girl you're okay and you don't mind, you know, every single time going and helping, that's fine. But then, you know, that you're going to reach a stage where you've had enough and then you're starting to build up resentment inside. And that's what yeah. you don't want. You don't want a volcano to in- erupt inside. Yeah. And yet again, I have to repeat, that is where a woman needs to stick up for herself. Like, because yeah. in that case, in that case, not even the man is going to stick up for her and she has to know what yeah. her, what she can take and what she can't. You need to know what your boundaries are going to be and you need to be able to speak up even if it's going to make you the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. So what happens in the case of like, you know, the woman um, visiting her parents or her family or her friends? Because you see, I've heard that... Um, you know, friends have told me that, oh, yeah, so after they get married, like my husband, he, you know, has this strict thing of when I can go and visit my family and how often I can go. And it's just created, you know, conflict in the marriage. Mm. Yeah, that's really tough. It's really a tough one. Um, I actually don't have much to say about it simply because I live in another country far, far away from my parents. So there's not really this thing of like, you know, when I can go and see my parents and when I can't. But in fact, now that you mention it, it's very common for girls who live out of the country um, to only go and see their family once a year. And I definitely did get comments about that and still do get comments about that because I sometimes go to the UK to see my family more than once a year. Mm. And um the thing with me is that who 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 made that rule anyway? Who said that you go once a year? Like I feel like these things were put in place because of finances and the way things were back in the day with planes and transport and all of that. And it's like these things have just come to stay. Um, whereas my opinion is why does it need to be that? Why does it need to be that no, you just went uh no, you have to wait until the year is over to go and see your family, like I just think it's a, a little bit ridiculous. Like, oh well, you know, that's, that's interesting because yeah, well, that's interesting because I didn't even know such an expectation existed. You know, once a year. Yeah, it does. Um, it does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, because I mean, at the end of the day, it's whatever the the couple can agree to, isn't it? I mean, sometimes mm, exactly, like the I've woman had, is, you see, is really tough because you know, for example, if the woman. Uh, needs the help or whatever it just every person's circumstance is different mm, mm, mm. like there's no such thing as a set day and a set weekend maybe it helps because like then you can work around your routine or something like that but I think in general to have that one set day and to have that one fixed day it's a little bit unfair and here I think you've got to be easygoing and this is something that you need to discuss again beforehand like how often will I be allowed to go and see my parents and things like that? Because I've got, I know so many girls who like pop in to see their mom, like whenever, like they don't have a fixed day. And I think that's nice to have that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's the thing, discussing it beforehand, isn't it? 
Yeah, because each marriage is different. The dynamic is going to be different. What works for your marriage won't necessarily work for somebody else's. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What about like when, let's say, if problems do arise and stuff, and then, you know, what role does the husband play in that? Because now he's technically in the middle of like <laughs> the his parents and his wife. Mm. Oh. Look, me personally, I'm like, I know a lot of women, like most of the time they just go running to their husbands and they're like, oh, X, Y, Z happened and ABC. And actually um, what, what, what actually happened, the actual, um, what do you say, the actual series of events that took place may even be different to the way that she describes because she perceived it differently or she's just, you know, exaggerated the story a little bit. With me, I just, I just tell like, I just say what I need to say to the in-law that I need to say it to basically. Mm. Um, and uh, like, it's not always a good thing. Like I, I can actually vouch for the fact that it's not always a good thing. And sometimes it is good to now like go and tell your husband and stuff. But I think sometimes also women, they go to their husband because they just want to confide in somebody and they'd rather confide about his family to him than to confide in somebody else. But do you know what? I've heard people say that you shouldn't ever like tell your husband about, you know, the issues that, for example, if you're having issues with his parents, then you shouldn't tell the husband because I don't know why they say that, but that's the advice. That I think it depends you- on the context. I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with you and say that. It no, I, I don't agree with this. I'm saying that there are oh, okay. women who say that, yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, with them, I'm going to have to just, uh, no, sorry, respectfully uh, disagree with them because it just depends on the context. You know whether you're exaggerating a story or not. You know between you and Allah whether you're exaggerating a story to your husband or not. And here I say to the sisters, fear Allah, because sisters do do this. And I think that that's something that people don't talk about. The fact that a woman goes to her husband and exaggerates about his mom or his dad or his siblings, like what gives you the right to stir between his blood? Like what gives you the right to do that? So I think here, I don't know, like it's a tough one, like you say, but I just feel like to fear Allah definitely just comes here, I think, to be God conscious. Yeah, definitely. I would say that, uh, you know, for me personally, uh, when, for example, if you have an issue uh, with mm-hmm. his parents and you don't tell him about it, what's going to mm-hmm. end up happening is that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he'll he find out probably through his parents and it'll be, of course, you know, every story has two sides, but it'll be one-sided at this point. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. automatically, because remember, your, your parents you feel you're indebted to them, you know, for, for life. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? of course. And mm-hmm. so automatically you're going to, you know, feel pity for them and stuff. And then or take it on, like not, not understand it from your wife's perspective. And then later when your wife does tell you, then you're kind of going to be mm-hmm. like, it's going to feel insignificant because now, you know, you, you've already heard that one side of the story. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah, I think... I think it's also I think I think it depends on your husband's temperament as well. I was just going like, to say yeah cuz sometimes 
the man feels like if you tell him anything like about his parents even if it's not something bad like just something that happened he kind of feels like you know it's it's an attack against them kind of a thing yeah and then there's some men who you know you you need to like speak to meaning for example your your husband you need to speak to him because he will be the mediator between the two yes yes so mm-hmm. knowing which of the type your husband is basically yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think with the yeah, with the in-law thing i think that um you've just got to have like you really need to have an open mind and you really need to understand that if you have conflicts if you had conflicts with your own parents and your own siblings there are definitely going to be conflicts and you are going to have disagreements but to be able to be mature enough to resolve those conflicts and to just learn the person you know like you say it's a learning curve to learn the person eventually so you know what to do what not to do again in the future yeah. what to bring up what not to bring up in the future it's the whole thing is just the learning curve and i think within those you've got to keep an open mind and also you've got to understand that like no person okay look most of the time no person is actually an evil person like they've just got their weaknesses just as we do and yeah it gets annoying because we're living with them but to be able to now kind of try and ignore that and kind of let it slide and be laid back about it mm you know what not necessarily they don't have to be an evil person but sometimes people just uh you know not i wouldn't say um enjoy it but they just it's in their nature to make people's life difficult instead but of again, just like living and yeah, let living, don't you, you know what i mean yeah but don't you think that boils down to like their own trauma and their own yeah like, and that um, is what I was also going to say mental problems and like personality disorders and stuff and I feel like now that we know that that kind of stuff does exist now to learn how to deal with that kind of a person alhamdulillah there's so much online as well on how to deal with like narcissism and stuff like that so yeah yeah well um exactly what I was going to say that understanding that you know from the from your perspective as a as a wife or a daughter-in-law that you know your um now the family that you're coming into mm. they each are going to have their own like traumas and their own like um experiences mm. in life that have taught them certain mm. things and it could be like a surviving mechanism and so mm. you know understanding that and trying to be empathetic where needed you know what i mean mm. Mm. uh but so my final words of advice would be that Uh first sorry one more thing I, yeah. before we go on to final uh, words of advice I wanted to ask you that like the thing is just how we need to be taught how to be a daughter-in-law or how to be a wife and things like that I feel like the mother-in-law and the father-in-law or the in-laws in general they need advice from people on how to be that person so like for example with me because I have so many brothers there are things that I would say to my mom and dad that they should and shouldn't do. Yeah. Um would would you do the same? Would you tell your mom like or your dad or whoever like yeah. you know. I, I yeah, I already do like- to be honest. <laughs> I already do. Yeah. And also um you know 
my for example my mom if she herself has been through something she would learn you know and hopefully hopefully not repeat you know not let history repeat itself you know what i mean but unfortunately history does repeat itself yeah because that's the thing that's the thing like people you know they say for example they say they've had a really tough time with their in-laws and then they're like in their heads they're like oh you know i would never put anyone through this but then subhanallah subconsciously they end up doing that to their daughter in-laws exactly. it's kind of sad yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's and, so common uh, yeah yeah so to wrap up uh i would say that first and foremost um where a woman can and is able to get her own accommodation i would 100% like that would be at the forefront yeah. of my advice Sometimes. to any woman because it yeah. just avoids any conflict you know you for example in-laws can be the nicest people but when you live with a person you're bound yeah. to have you know some kind of yeah. altercation and conflict and all that um yeah. secondly i would say is that you know to be more open to doing things just for the sake of Allah you know without any um expecting any sort of appreciation and this goes for your spouse your in-laws whatever whoever you know is involved yeah and in life in general you know the thing is that sometimes we expect even just a thank you or even just you know a smile of appreciation and you don't get that sometimes and that mm. is like is sometimes you know just is so disappointing however if you have told yourself that look i'm doing this purely for the sake of allah he's he's going to you know he's noting it down and it's going to be rewarded with him like it just mm-hmm. honestly like even if that person mm-hmm. doesn't appreciate it in any way the fact mm-hmm. that you did it with um a higher intention it, honestly mm-hmm. it will just put your heart at peace um mm-hmm. yeah and yeah and anything that you have to say um i think ultimately uh my like my takeaway advice uh, definitely everything that you said um but also reminding yourself that this isn't just some friendship or like a haram boyfriend that you just dump when things get bad like you work at it mm-hmm. and you know it's very very simple to be there and present when things are really good and they're well and things are hunky dory but it's really really hard to to love and to be there when things are tough and rough but that's when you need to love the most and that's when you need each other the most and i just feel like the verses are so concise and so precise where hunna libasul lakum wa antum libasul lahunna like it's just so so important that you understand that a garment doesn't doesn't just mean clothing it it can mean so many things where like you're protecting each other you've got each other's backs for so many things and ultimately like fearing Allah and understanding that this relationship is based on God like i feel like Allah has to be at the forefront of your relationship and then yeah. things no matter how hard they seem they will get better and also to remind yourself that this is exactly what shaitan wants for for like couples to break up and for for families to to be apart from each other and he'll keep coming and he'll keep knocking and he'll keep making things seem worse than they already are and you can't let him win and like you've just got to like say the istiada and like make lots of dua istighfar and just just really pray just make lots and lots of dua i think yeah yeah 
Yeah. Mm. Um, also, another thing, sorry, I just remembered. This is something that I wrote down in my notes, and that was when you're going through a tough time, think back to the time when you first got married or all the good times that you have had. Scroll back to, like, old pictures um, where, like, you were on holiday or your wedding day pictures or whatever it is. Um, scroll back to old messages and things like that. And honestly, like, the rahmah that will just come flowing um, in you it's amazing. Like Allah will just open your heart. You know, you, I, I agree to an extent, but then I also feel like if you, let's say, scroll back to those messages and everything, it kind of re reiterates and reinforces the, the notion of how things have changed so much. And that, you know, those days are kind of like gone by days. And I don't know if they would ever come back. <laughs> You see, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether it's my experience or what, but I just feel like, no, gonna not gone those days. Like, I'm just trying to think now. Like, if someone was to ask me to like describe my marriage right now at this moment, I would say like, Alhamdulillah, I'm happily married. I'm in such a tranquil and calm, peaceful place, and like. I don't know. I just, I think that like there's, it's it's like being on the ocean yeah. and it's like just rocky sometimes. Sometimes it's not. And I do yeah. think that sometimes it can be even better than when you first got married. I don't know. This yeah. is just my experience, but like. Yeah, definitely. Like I said um, earlier that for me personally, it's definitely much, it's definitely better than when I first got married. Um mm. And yeah, if somebody asked me uh, how how my marriage was going or how how do I feel being married, I would definitely say that uh, you know it's subhanallah, it's something that Allah places. Like it's not even like you, yeah, you work towards it, but ultimately it's coming from Allah. Uh, mm. You know that that mawadda, that that rahma, that that love, and that you know affection. Um, and so, yeah, it needs to be, if, if both spouses are working towards pleasing Allah, then ultimately, you know, Allah will put barakah and, you know, blessing into that marriage, isn't it? Yeah. And again, like ultimately as well, it boils down to what you both want from life, which is so important to discuss from the beginning, because sometimes you're just so not come, compatible. Yeah. So now we've come full circle because then it kind of yeah. goes back to, Yeah. Yeah, kind of goes back to ultimately what it is that you both want, isn't it? A hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, this was really, really interesting. Just kind of like going back all the way to the beginning and actually talking about it and hearing myself discuss it out loud. It was yeah. quite the experience, yeah. Yes, and I hope that, inshallah, this um, was insightful and uh you know beneficial to the sisters uh who at any stage in their in in life whether they getting married already in the marriage facing some difficulties and stuff um and yeah jazakallah khair for your time and for having this conversation with me and i hope that uh you you also took away something as well because i definitely did yeah, Yes, even I did take away a lot. It was really insightful talking to you. And like, yeah, although we didn't see 
maybe eye to eye on certain in, in certain parts of the conversation like I just feel that that's also really great because to be able to know how to kind of have a conversation and not really navigate through the differences yeah 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 so I think it's nice though we're different but similar because yeah. we were able to have that alhamdulillah yeah alhamdulillah so with that said uh, take care and I hope to inshallah have you on future episodes as well Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to head over to our Instagram page at Real Muslima Talk and join the conversation.